Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are with us and hope that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We have Pastor Geshom continue our series Going Deeper, which is an in-depth study on the book of Ephesians. We pray that as you listen to the word, it will help you grow in love, live with integrity and consistently bless others in your life. Hi church, it's such a joy and a privilege that we get to spend some time reading God's word, understanding God's word and applying God's word into our lives. Um we've been going through this entire series going deeper through the book of Ephesians and uh, we finished Ephesians 1, 2, 3 and 4. And um the central theme that Paul's telling the Ephesus church, uh we saw in uh, chapter 1 was that uh Christ is in us. with Ephesians 2 we saw Christ is with us through whatever comes our way he is with us and you know we saw that uh in our uh, in everything that we uh, it's only by grace and through faith that we can actually experience Jesus with us in chapter 3 we saw that you know as gentiles many at times we after we accept Christ and start following him we don't have a sense of belonging and identity and paul took that entire chapter to emphasize to say that we are part of the kingdom we are part of his great plan the reason that jesus came and he said that that revelation came only to him and to a bunch of leaders at that time and we saw how the gentile community across the province started receiving god's word and churches were getting established in the entire region last week we saw that we have to be overhauled by god into every, in every area we saw that you know there's we need to acknowledge his truth we need to build our faith on the truth of what he says and today as we continue on from chapter 4 to chapter 6 Paul emphasizes on the lines of Christian living to uh the entire Ephesus church and you might be thinking Geshom uh that probably will only apply to those people because they lived in a time he addressed contextually yes but the theme in which he spoke the problems he addressed were not uh time bound they were actually specifically bound for humans specifically bound for man and women specifically bound for us who save your followers of Jesus irrespective of time and today we are going to look into that and as we saw last week would we be overhauled by him completely from head to toe and today as we start uh chapter 5 we see that we are called to walk with Jesus and sometimes we um forget that in walking with him we uh you know want to have our own traits our own characteristics our own understanding our own way of functioning but there is a functioning which we need to adopt into our lives the minute we say we are Christ followers and say we are willing to walk in Christ's way in Christ's uh you know path and so that we'll be able to exhibit that and live it out every day So even as we continue on reading I'm going to read I split the entire chapter into four sections and uh, we're going to read uh, um honestly we should have actually done 5 and 6 together but um it would have been too uh, such a long sermon but we've just broken it down into two parts and we're going to see through uh, the entire chapter of Ephesians 5 so can we just take a moment and uh, even before we start I'm just going to ask God to you know uh, open our eyes speak into our hearts because uh you know our minds and our hearts 
have to be changed by God's word, have to be changed as what God wants to do in and through us. So let's just bow down our heads wherever we are at and let's say a quick word of prayer. A loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord. Even right now, I pray, Lord, for whoever is listening the sermon online, for those who are listening to it, Lord Jesus, uh, in audio format as they're traveling, I pray that your word will come alive today, Lord Jesus. I pray your word would change us. It will set us apart. It will establish us. Your word would give us courage to take the stand for what you're calling us to take a stand, Lord. In your most holy name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So can we start reading from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 7? Verse 1, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because those are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. You know, even as we start, the first um, heading, you know, which has been given in NKJV and ESV, it says walk in love. And uh, one of the beautiful things that we get to do when we actually decide to follow Jesus is understand this deep understanding of love that Christ has for us. You know, we all know this verse from John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. There is an element of love that uh, existed and that caused them to be sacrificial in it. So God the Father was able to send his son to redeem the entirety of mankind. Christ loved us, us, the entire humankind, so much that he was willing to lay down his life. And so uh, this idea of God's love causes us to experience it but it just doesn't stop there. It causes us to act on it. And part of that acting on it is us willing to let go of certain things and willing to hold on to what Christ is causing, calling us to hold on to. And so today, Paul goes on to talk to the culture of Ephesus. He says, if, um, as, um, um, Jaren had mentioned in chapter one, he mentioned that it is like this business town, business bay, where there was a lot of interest, intersections between, you know, it, it was right at the center. Uh, it was a hub of culture. It was a melting point of, uh, culture literally for, since a lot of people came in for trade, a lot of businesses happened, a lot of that kind of set culture for the entire province around that area. And we see that, uh, people in the church, were saying they are Christ followers, but they were not willing to let go of something. And so today, as Christians, as Christ followers today in 2022, if we say we are Christ followers and if we love Christ, are we willing to let go? Are we willing to give up on certain things? And it, Paul emphasizes first, the very first word, he says, follow God's example. He didn't say, follow my example. He said, follow God's example because God's example lasts through time. And today, even as he mentions that, I'm asking you, uh, everyone, including myself, if I love Jesus, am I willing to let go? 
the love that Christ had shown us is not one where, you know, it's, we use it flippantly, you know, or we think of it as, you know, it's something that's there. You know, if you ask today, um, um, there are gurus out there, there are life coaches out there, there are people out there who will say, you know, you need to love on someone and then you'll feel better. It's not a feeling that you get. No, it's more about an understanding of this love, this love that was, that came at a price that as I receive it, I understand the cost of this love. So today we are not saying Christ's love is equal to, uh, you know, what man's love. No, Christ's love is the standalone unique piece here. No one can compare it. No one can take it and, you know, package it differently. Only Christ can give it to you. And if Christ has given that love to you, he's given it to the entirety of humanity. Are we receiving it? And if you're receiving it, are we acting on it? And, you know, uh, from verse 3 on to verse 7, he, he says an interesting thing here. He concludes that entire um, para by saying, don't be partners with them. What is partners? Don't come to a common ground with these things. Don't come to a common ground with sexual immorality. Don't come to a common ground with impurity. Don't come to a common ground with greed. Because you're not here in business partner with Christ, you're called to live out Christ in you fully, which means he is the sole owner of you. He is wanting to exhibit things out of you solely of his nature. And his nature is not one of sexual immorality. And today you might be like, Geshem, what is sexual immorality? Today, whatever that deviates us from, for those of us who are married, the love of our spouse to actually, you know, seeing someone else. If someone else is you know, uh, turning us on outside of our spouse, that's a problem. If something else is causing us to go beyond, you know, if God's uh, given us the work and we trust him in that work and in the timing that he has, we wouldn't be with greed. Like we want more of this. Oh, I covet what my neighbor's having in terms of his car. I covet what they are having over there. Greed dies because Christ's love literally kills greed. It in fact changes greed to making us more sacrificial. And then, so even today, as we read this, I have three key things which I want to share with you. It says, first here, Christ's love removes my selfishness. Sexual immorality and any kind of impurity and greed stems from a place of selfishness. Jesus was never selfish. His love was never selfish. And so today, his love removes every kind of my selfishness. Today we have, all of us have selfishness. As a father, as a husband, as a son, I have a certain amount of selfishness. As a person who's working, I have a certain amount of selfishness. But if I say I am a follower of Christ, I would submit. I would give up my selfishness and experience and walk in Christ's love. The second thing is what uh, um, Paul says in that uh, entire uh, para is Christ's love removes my pride. Yes, it says obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking. The whole idea of all of this stems from a place where we put ourselves on a higher pedestal, where we think we are above than someone else, where we think, you know what, I, uh, I'm too good. I can, you know, make pull fun at someone else. And we start doing it out of our own pride. Somewhere we think we are well off or better. Or we have a higher standing than them. No. Christ's love. In fact, if you look at Jesus' life, when he came down, he was one among them. He never elevated himself. He never came across and said, you know what? I, uh, I, you know, I've got everything. I know better than you. He stood for truth. He fought for truth. 
but he didn't you know go about proving it he his he was the truth and so today when christ love has to remove my pride i need to understand that when i receive and experience christ love that humility in which christ operates has to come into my life it has to come and break my pride humility because i can only be reminded that i can only do all of this because of jesus you know we are not calling for a false sense of humility here, but we are calling for something where you know we'll be able to uh, refine every aspect of our lives because of christ living in us and experiencing that love today uh coarse joking and foolish talk might seem um you know very attractive it might pull an audience or it might think it might put us on a place where we look cool or we are one with the crowd but let's be one with the crowd for the right reason where god is calling us to be the light to you know shine and let let it not and let his love be the one which attracts not something out of my pride which attracts because that will eventually fall the third thing is christ's love removes my hollowness today we are living in a world and time where you know we it says here we are be careful of empty words we are holding on to different paradigms of thought we are holding on to different kinds of understanding you know pet peeves and all these other things that people are actually throwing at us culture is throwing at us people have just if it just works for them for a week they start promoting it like as if it's the best thing that's happened to them in the whole wide world but paul's telling here do not give yourself to you know belief systems that are very hollow do not give yourselves to belief systems that are very uh, fragmented you know honestly every belief system in the world that actually is originated by man just takes care of some part of an aching heart in a human's body where if you give yourselves to the uh, full gospel of what christ wants us to do it covers our entirety of our human body spiritually and physically we'll have a renewed understanding of what and why we are here in this world and so today as we move towards understanding god's word much deeper let on the philosophy of the world become that hollow philosophy take captive or take us uh, you know uh, take a lot of room in ourselves no because what does that do it causes us to be disobedient to god it causes us to dis- be disobedient to his word we discount god and we discount his word we discount faith and we discount hope we discount uh, the call and the purpose that god has for us and we discount the path that we are called to walk on so let's be clear because empty words it says that leads us to being dependent on a person and does not build up faith empty words i mean in the whole um, if you when we see the whole of culture today there are a lot of empty words we think we are trying something but we still are empty within hold on to the living word of god the living words that christ has spoken and it will remove every form of hollow and it will remove every form of hollowness from our lives so today even as we move past these first seven verses i want to ask you can would we follow god's example that he set for us to walk in love can we follow him and can we intentionally ask him to help us to remove all forms of selfishness in us all form of pride the pride of our lives thinking we've accomplished everything we are on a higher pedestal can we ask god to remove that 
And the third is, can we give up on every form of hollow teaching and hollow philosophy and hollow understanding that we have and take on to the full understanding of what God's word has for us? Let's move into the second part. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 to 14. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Paul asks the Ephesus church at that time to be carriers of light in the places that each of them are at. And today the call is the same for us. Wherever God's taking you, into your offices, into your hospitals, into your classrooms, into your college spaces, into your board meetings, into your very homes, because a lot of us are working from home, into every space that we go in, would we be carriers of this light? The interesting thing that Paul's telling here is, if we are carriers of his light, there will be no room for darkness. There'll be no room for secrecy. Today, a lot of us are coming in uh, and happy to be called a Christian within the four walls of a church. We are not happy being called a Christian outside of the four walls of a church. The very existence of that name Christian arose because they were a group of people in the community who said who were Christ followers. Today, it, it's not an application that we fill or it's not a badge that we wear. But today, it's a life that we are called to live out. Live out intentionally. Live out where we expose the darkness. Live out where we tell them there is a clear distinction between light and darkness. In darkness, it says here, there's a lot of things that are done in secrecy. So today, what is it that you're doing in secrecy, which God already knows? But just because you are, you know, um, moving around in the dark, you think no one knows. What are some of the things that you're compromising on today? Have you been intentional in taking that light into that area? Today, into the area of between you and your phone, have you allowed God's light to work in? Yes, you might have installed the Bible app, but what else are you doing on your phone? What else are you watching on your phone? Today, into the room that you are in, the conversations that you as a married person are having, is it sanctified? Is it something which, you know, even when exposed will be okay? Or are there something in private which you are secretly guarding? Today, are we working and striving towards working in secrecy so that we won't be exposed? His light will expose everything. His light will expose areas. And it comes to us whether we want to allow his light. You know, the Paul goes on to say here, don't, um, don't treat silence as approval. And many a times we think just because God is silent in something that I'm doing in the darkness means it's approved. No, God will shine his light if you allow. And when you allow, you will be reflectors and automatically you will realize, you know what, I can't live a two-faced life. I'll have to live a life that is pleasing to him. And today, church, I want to tell you from verse 12, it says, you know, today a lot of us are happy just being part of the church when the church or its leadership, or someone asks us to take decisions, we, we, we fret. We think, you know, who are they to ask us to make certain? If we are Christ followers, we will be his 
carriers of light into every space. Our obedience is not towards a church or a church leader or towards an elder, but our obedience is towards Christ. We look to him for the example he lived out and choose to obey. So today, church, I want to ask you, would you commit yourself to allowing the light to shine in and through you? It says here in verse 9, the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. Today, we take parts of it. For some of us, truth works well. So we think, okay, Christ's light is shining. You know, I don't have to have a right standing or I don't have to, you know, do good things. Some of us emphasize a lot on goodness and that we think the other two aspects are, you know, can be in darkness. No, everything, the minute the light shines, everything is exposed. The minute you allow Christ to shine his light in and through you, everything, your intentions are seen, your motives are seen, everything is seen. And that's why he says, I go beyond what you're doing. I go into the intentions of your heart, intentions of your mind. You know, as I was preparing, I was wondering um, what what is a better example of this. And a lot of us, the other day when we were walking, I realized that it was a full moon day and the, the moon was really bright. It was literally showing off. And if you notice, we have different faces of the moon during a month. You know, one, you can't see the moon at all. Uh, sometimes you'll see quarter of the moon. Sometimes you'll see half of the moon and sometimes you see the full moon in itself. And God was reminding, would you, be happy to show yourself to me so that I can shine my light to you and in turn you can shine your light out fully like a full moon 365 days a year. Don't be moody. Don't be, you know, inconsistent with that. Don't say, what only I just want to be a quarter moon and I want to show off the other side. We'll be intentional to show the whole side 24-7, 365 days in public, in private. As much as we are so caught up today in everything that we do, Christ is wanting to shine his light in and through us so that we'll be an example. When he shines its light on us, it changes us and the change self starts to illuminate. And that's the beautiful thing. And so today, there is nothing I do is only sacred and the other things what everyone else is doing is, you know, everything is sacred. If I go into my workplace, it's sacred. If I go into my meeting, board meetings, it's sacred. If I go into my sports center, it's sacred. If I go into a party, it's sacred. Every place I step into will be sacred because I am allowing Christ's light to work in and through me. And I love how Paul ends that. So today, church, if any of you is struggling, we all will, as we journey on with Christ, we soon realize there are so many areas we've not actually allowed his light because we don't want that exposing to happen. But Paul uh, has quoted a verse here where he says, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. And today I want to declare that over each and every one of us. If there is an area in our lives where we, it's dead, where it's uh, you know not responding to anything, wake up, sleeper into your consciousness, into your spirit man, into your emotions. Rise up from the dead and Christ will shine on you. For those of you who are saying, you know, I, I struggle to experience Christ's love. I struggle to have emotions for other people. I'm so caught up in my selfishness. Rise up, wake up sleeper from the dead. Let Christ shine in you. There are so many areas that his light has to come in. Allow 
his light to shine in and through you. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 to 20 goes on to say, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery and still be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the third thing is, first, we walk in love. Second, we walk in light, in Christ's light. Third, we walk in Christ's wisdom. And so as Paul is emphasizing here, he's taking one of the cultural elements of that land. Um, and, you know, he emphasizes a lot on drunkenness. And Ephesus in that time, he says was this as crossroads where a lot of people in, came and travelers came in and everyone indulged in consuming wine, everyone indulged in consuming alcohol. And one of the things that Paul tells is the fact that it goes across, uh, you know, uh, society. The poor were getting drunk, the rich were getting drunk. And if you see the historical context in which he's actually talking, you can see it's very prevalent to today. Today, a lot of us, I would just not say it would be wine or alcohol. I think it can be so many other things today. Today, we are probably getting drunk on our own selves. We are so caught up about our own agenda, our own thing, our own way of life and everything. Or we are probably even uh, caught up on uh, the, with regard to, you know, this is my family. This is what I have to do. This is what I have to do for my kids. This is what I have to, I have to make sure I, I'm there. I have to make sure I'm earning well. All that is good, but God's saying, operate out of my wisdom. Today, what is it that you're consuming so much that you're actually kicking out God entirely? You're saying, you know what, I've got it all. We need his wisdom. Even Solomon, who received God's wisdom, couldn't actually, you know, live out the life to his fullest. At the end, he moved away from God. We don't need to be the wisest in the whole of the world, but we need to have Christ's wisdom so that we can live out the plan and the purpose that he has for us. And many a times the plan and the purpose that God has for us is far more than what our minds or our uh, heads can actually wrap around or get around. And so today, church, would we be willing to make this decision to live as wise people and not as unwise people? that we make of every opportunity in these days. You know, how do we conduct ourselves in every affair with regard to our finances, with regard to paying our taxes, with regard to, you know, doing things right? How do we conduct ourselves? Why is Jesus calling us to stand up to a higher standard and live that? Because everything matters. In fact, our take on justice will change. Our take on what's happening in society will change. Our take on the truth of the matter will change. Our, our take on the narrative will change entirely. We won't be sucked up into this whole thing of just seeing the narrative for what it is. But we will be able to see deeper into what the root of the issue is. And that comes only when we have Christ's wisdom in and through us. And it says here, don't get drunk. He draws a comparison. Don't get drunk on wine, but get drunk in the spirit. It's basically saying, like as we heard last week, we need an overhaul where we are outpouring. You know, the Holy Spirit is just overflowing out of us because we can't contain him. 
in every area paul wanted the people of god in ephesus to walk in wisdom walking in wisdom helps me understand god's will for my life walking in wisdom in which christ gives help me understand what the lies of the enemy are what is it that the enemy is out there and wanting to you know really take me down and so today i would ask you would we desire as much as we desire for that wisdom it comes when you're living out of an overflow of the holy spirit so today we can say you know what i'm happy with just a part filling of the holy spirit no paul saying can we have and be filled with the spirit from head to toe and when i say head to toe it's figuratively it's it's literally full in every area just imagine if our identity is filled with the spirit what it looks like just imagine if our finances is filled with the spirit what does that look like just imagine if our understanding of generosity is filled with the spirit what does that look like if our understanding of the children is filled with the spirit we would be better parents if our understanding of uh, our spouse is filled with the spirit will be different if our understanding of marriage is filled with the spirit will look different let's not let's not be so caught up in taking up so many things of what the world offers and what uh, advice or you know the blogs i read or the articles i'm reading and all that take that and try assimilating that let's use godly wisdom if we rely on god's word every day he reveals every day he reveals because he cares for us he reveals because he wants to set us apart and so today i would ask you may we not just get drunk in the sense of wine and alcohol but may we not get addicted into something far beyond than what uh, it's literally consuming us whether it's media whether it's identity online shopping gaming wanting more the greed of life you know let's be filled by the spirit because when we are filled by the spirit we know how we have to live we know to what measure enough is enough and so today god wants to change that in and through us and so church even as i close this third section i want us to come to a place to say god fill me with your spirit fill me with your strength fill me so that i will be able to do life to its fullest so that i'll be able to live wisely and not live unwisely in this world let's come to the last section uh, of ephesians chapter 5 as we read this passage i'm guessing a lot of us as husbands have probably read a couple of verses and we probably have used it against our wives to say you need to submit but as um, it, it's it's a really big topic to look at but i believe as paul started this chapter look to god for an example and i believe my entire way of seeing this is looking to god what did christ what did god the father and jesus christ exhibit in their relationship there and how is that translating here what did jesus christ in the church exhibit in their relationship there how is it translating it to here and so today we all have grown up in different regions of the world we've all grown up in uh, different family settings where we literally allowed our immediate family and the life that we've lived shape our understanding 
or we've heard certain people talk and we thought you know what that's what i want to live by but today we're going to go into god's word and i believe that this mandate that god's given has both husband and wife is very important i know in a day and age where we have a lot of single parents and a lot of people who are separated or divorced or uh, who are already experienced marriage but right now are living sing, um, in a place of singleness i believe god wants to refine that so that even as you wait and whatever god has planned for you you'll be able to live this out again in its fullest so can we read ephesians 5 verses 21 to 33 and this is what it says submit to one another out of reverence for christ wives submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the lord for the husband is the head of the wife as christ is the head of the church his body of which he is the savior now as the church submits to christ so also wives submit to their husbands in everything husbands love your wives just as christ loved the church and gave himself up for her and uh, to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself after all no one ever hated their own body but they feed and care for their body just as christ does the church for we are members of his body for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh this is a profound mystery but i am talking about christ and the church however each of you must also love his wife and he as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband it's interesting this entire passage uh, verse 22 to 24 paul writes for wives and then he goes on to write a huge um, you know bunch of verses from 25 all the way to 33 for husbands specifically because let's face it the mandate god has given for us to actually be as families here as as god ordained marriages requires us to be intentional you know one of the uh, interesting things that we see in today's uh, day and age is the fact that uh, we don't consider it god ordained anymore we are so concerned of how our wedding photos appear is it is it following this theme is it following this palette is it following um, all these current trends that are there is it designed by this person is this person doing the photography what uh, is it in a nice setting but more than just the day it's a life that we live that counts with our spouse and so today i know i'm speaking probably to a few but i as uh, as i was preparing i just changed the order you know because um in in marriages and in even as we are called to live our christian lives as families there is an order that christ has set us uh and his word clearly speaks for that and it says that husbands are the head of their houses and so today as we start i first want to address that so today as husbands as men who have wives who have a family do we love our wives is the question and that is again uh, a carbon copy of the template of how christ loves the church you have to love your wife as i have loved the church and as paul gives that carbon copy reference it has to sit on it we will experience the fullness of this relationship only when that happens 
And today, the idea of uh, why there's a lot of broken in this, in this where husbands are not able to love their wives is the problem is because of the fact that there's also in reality a fragmented understanding and brokenness that we are seeing between Christ's love for the church. We, uh, the church in all its um, picture when we see, we see so many things which we feel, you know, this is not what Christ would want. But Christ still loves. And today, I don't know who I'm speaking to or if a lot of us are struggling, husbands, do we love our wives? Are we willing to serve her? Are we, is it coming from that place? And today, you know, we many a times, because of our standing as the husband, we think we can demand. But no, Christ never demanded the church to love. Christ exhibited himself. He modeled it so much that they, that is the church, is in response, is just loving back. Jesus. Today, how did Christ model it? He came down, he laid down his life for the church, for the entirety of humankind. And today, are we willing to love our wives as much as we love our own selves? Today, we are living in such a selfish world where, you know, as, as men, many a times, we are all about ourselves. We are all about our needs. We are all about, uh, you know, is it done our way? We are all about our comfort. But in, if our love has to be translated as Christ of the church, in spite of all the things that the church is looking like, Christ still loves. And as much as when we get into marriage, you know, the beautiful thing which I love, um, you know, um, talking to youngsters and especially for those who are getting married is the fact that, you know, God has a plan and purpose for the husband. God has a plan and purpose for the wife. And God has a plan and purpose for your marriage. And that God, that plan and purpose for your marriage is what is sealed with, you know, the third person who is Jesus Christ. It's that cord that cannot be broken. And when you identify yourself personally as a man in Christ and as a woman in Christ, and when you become in union, this, this strand is so strong that God uses this these individual plans and purpose and combines it to make it one big thing and at, at the end of it you are all accomplishing everything but you're also living out in this union that god's called you to do today you know today in our culture as paul is talking to his culture he's probably emphasizing because at a time where men had to um, you know men didn't probably take up the position in their houses or probably because of businesses, they were outside and probably they didn't set culture for home. But today, in our culture, what does it look like? Will it look, will, will, will I only love my wife if she's working? Let me take it a step deeper. Will I love my wife only if her family actually has given the full dowry that I had asked for? Will I love my wife only if she is, you know, being there and doing what I'm asking her to do. Is my love as a husband conditional for my wife? And today, Christ's example is the fact that he never demands anything of us. He loves on us. 
and the beautiful thing about that uh, love is the fact that when love when it's demanded it starts controlling restricting and all, all, and all of a sudden you suddenly see that that uh, demanded love suddenly changes into some form of abuse of some form or the other and when we decide to exhibit christ love we choose the response we always choose there is when we deceive it never demanded anything from the church he came and saved the entirety of mankind our response for the love that we received is what we choose to do and so as we tra- translate that into our marriages our love we can never demand anything from you know by saying that because of our position we demand that as a husband towards a wife no the love that we show will automatically enable them and allow them to choose to do what is good and beneficial for the family and so today christ when the reason why i brought this whole carbon copy thing is when we constantly keep looking at that we'll understand that we also have a skewed understanding many a times as men you know christ when he looks at the church wants the church to thrive he wants the church to grow he wants the church to you know flourish in who the church is called to be he wants the church to live um, and be uh, the best example it can be when we look at that straight into marriages many a times a lot of us struggle because we have our own sense of insecurity as men we cannot be insecure of our wives as men we have to be consistent with our wives we can't go through up and down up and down we can't be moody we can't be people who are fluctuating we have to be consistent and that's these are some things which you're going to pray specifically and ask as men of the home as husbands we are going to be consistent we are going to be consistent we are also going to see that you know as men we are secure in who god has called us and so automatically if i have to replicate this entire thing what christ is showing to his church i'll automatically t- carbon copy that into my own marriages i as a husband want to see my wife thrive i want to see her serve and be whole and find out the plan and purpose that god's called her to do and in the midst of all of this we in turn also start changing inside out we will never hit a 10 from day one of marriage but we will always be striving towards something and so today you are not alone in this journey so today i would ask you as as paul has written there let's let's look into our own lives you know with a magnifying glass in if we've been insecure let's ask god god that's not your character and i as if i walk in your love if i walk in your wisdom and if i walk in your light i cannot be insecure make me a secure person it's beautiful the the understanding of marriage when we see in this light is beautiful and as i mentioned earlier you know the church uh, christ will never demand anything from the church um whereas we as in human form we keep demanding but christ love doesn't demand and so as we exhibit that it causes wives to automatically to submit submit because they know that this person means the best interest for me he's not going he's he's wanting me to succeed he's wanting me to live the best life that i can he's wanting to see me thrive in our marriage he's wanting me to fulfill what god has planned for me to do in and through the marriage the second part of 
wives wives submit to your husbands come out comes out of a place of understanding that the husband loves me and so today it's not coming from a place of uh, submission is not coming from a place of uh, being demanded but it's actually coming from a place where love is embraced when you can embrace your husband's love into your life i believe submission will automatically be there and today this submission is not one of a fake submission but it's one where you're submitting so that as i mentioned earlier the plan and purpose for your marriage is far bigger than what you can see and you're willing to take that journey on you know um uh, a week back we had a gathering where of our older people in church and an average was you know um 25 30 plus years of marriage for each of them and as i was just scanning the room and seeing i realized that in 30 years there is some un- amount of understanding of understanding god's plan purpose in their marriage and that has helped them stand the test of time stand through storms stand through situations which the family has gone through but yet it survived and today let's not come from a place of demanding christ's equation never was demanded there's nothing that he demands of us but he really wants us to do it wholeheartedly demanded submission ends up in abuse christ will never demand the submission of his church but christ loves this church so much that the church automatically submits to god's will that's why we constantly say we submit to your will because of his love for us and so it's a it's a it's a it's a equation which we need to get it into practice and so today as much as we are i've talked on this i believe i know this is a very big topic it's it's culturally different for a lot but the key element is as husbands and as men would be love our wives love only our wives let's not love other women around and then hate on our wives no let us love our wives for those of you who are single who are single who are separated or divorced allow god to work in and through you you know he doesn't want you to move on uh, into uh, with the same level of brokenness he wants to shape you he wants to change in and through you. and sometimes our understanding of christ's love is so um, broken that god wants to reshape that so would you allow him to reshape that in your life the second aspect is as wives would we come to a place where we know that you know god's wanting us to work in together for this the beautiful thing about marriage is when god created man and woman we were equal he says to adam you know he took eve out of his own rib and made eve and that was the equality in which it was dealt with there he saw he was alone he made a partner over there who you know were in equal and sin came and when sin came the problem of sin was childbirth became um you know was going to be hard uh, you will desire for your man uh, man had to work hard for everything it says by the sweat he will have to you know bring produce out of the land so sin came and changed everything what will happen when we actually allow and experience christ's love is the fact that we'll see the other person in equal standing with christ in christ we are all equal so in marriage in christ we are equal but there's a healthy understanding of what 
submission looks like. There's a healthy understanding of what this love does. This love calls us to serve. Christ served the church. And so husbands, we need to serve our wives. What is it in Irene? Have we ditched our wives in times of sickness? Have we failed being there when things were rough? Have we taken the easy way out? Have we run for the hills when a trouble came? Or have we stood our ground? Love causes us to be there. Love causes us to be in every season and through every season. You know, and I just wanted to read this passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 to 8. And uh, a lot of it uh, have, a, have it quoted during uh, wedding times and everything. But from the message version, I want us to read it upon the husbands and wives of the church. And for those of you who are in the midst of something, I pray that the Holy Spirit will work in and through you so that you'll be able to identify and experience Christ's love and in turn will be able to shape your marriages with that. It goes on to say, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth and what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incompleteness will be cancelled. So today, may we never give up. May we may not make it all about ourselves. May we not strut. May we not have a swelled head. May we not think we are highly enough. May we never think, you know what? As a husband, you know, you are beneath me. I'm too good for you. No, God brought us together for a plan and purpose. You know, I love the fact that, uh, you know, uh, how it says here that we can suddenly as men of the homes or as wives, we can suddenly take certain things, whether praying in tongues, it says it will end. Understanding will reach its limits, but inspired speech will reach its limit, but only God's truth and love will be there forever. And so maybe find our completeness in our different roles in Jesus. We will never find a completeness in our spouse. We will find a completeness in Jesus. And as I mentioned earlier, our understanding of marriage and husband and wife is a carbon copy of what Christ is for his church. As husbands, if we can serve our wives and if we can love on them and see that we don't have insecurity, that we are rising above and our love is consistent, I believe submission and mutual respect will be normal. And so today, as we, and as wives, I would ask you if you can be respectful because of what God has brought into your life. And if you would commit yourselves to building what God has given you to build and hold on to the promises that God has given you for this three-chord stand is important with Christ. Many, God wants to do so many things. He wants to change a generation. He wants to lift a generation up 
and redeem you for bigger things. So today, church, as we close, I know it's been a lengthy chapter, but I just want to give those key elements out to you even before I close. Can we walk in love? Can we walk in the light? And can we walk in wisdom? Because today, Christ wants to change us. He wants to change us as husbands and wives. He wants to change every area in our lives so that we'll be able to bring and lead a family into a saving knowledge of Christ. All of us, if we all live by this, we'll be able to see Christ in all his fullness. So today, can I just pray for you and close? Our loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this time. Lord, even as we just read your word, I just pray that, Lord, you will be magnified, you will be glorified. I pray that, Lord, it will work in and through us. As I, as we read, Lord Jesus, let your light shine and expose areas, Lord. Lord, even as uh, people are listening to this, if there are areas in our lives, I pray specifically, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, we'll be people of integrity, Lord. I pray as husbands and wives, we'll be people of integrity. We'll be people of consistency. I pray for those who are wanting, Lord Jesus, to live in darkness. I pray let your light expose them, Lord. Show them what they are doing, Lord Jesus. I pray that, Lord, they will come into the saving knowledge of you, Lord. I pray that we'll walk in your truth. We'll walk in your wisdom, Lord Jesus, all the days of our life. I pray that, Lord, you would go before us, bless us, strengthen us. I pray even as we dive deeper, Lord Jesus, I pray as we meditate on this, let your spirit work in and through us, Lord. We pray that, Lord, you would bless each and every one. I pray specifically, Lord, for husband and wives, Lord Jesus. As we strive in our relationship, I pray we won't strive at it alone, but you will be there present in our lives, Lord, that you will make it strong, that we'll be able to find our footing and at the same time, we'll be able to live it out. I pray that, Lord, we'll be our marriages with last through different seasons, that we'll flourish in every season, that we'll be able to do all that you've called us to do, Lord, and raise a godly generation, Lord, for you. In your most holy name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. I pray that you have a blessed week. Trust God. Even as you heard, if there are areas in your life which uh, Christ is exposing off and showing it to you, take it in prayer. Read his word and meditate. For those of you who are in marriages and where you are still struggling as husband and wife, look to Christ. Look to Christ. Experience his love as husbands. As, as a man, experience his love and you'll be able to live out the way Christ wants us to live out. As women, experience Christ's love and embrace his love because when you embrace his love, you will automatically be able to see the fullness that he has for your marriage and work towards building it, work towards holding on to it and seeing God come through. I pray that you have a blessed week. God bless you all. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus finds life.